0: Hello and welcome to Brook Talks America for our Tactical Tuesdays podcast. I'm here with Joe Dolio, who's the author of the Tactical Wisdom series upon which the podcast is based. So, Joe, in our first um, podcast, which they can listen to on my website, brooktalksamerica.com, we gave a basic background on how you came to start a blog on preparedness that ultimately... Uh, became a book series I suggest that people have a listen to that when they get a chance um, in that you talked about the 72 hours following event which natural whether natural such as a you know hurricane or tornado or man-made such as what we saw with the riots last year or any other thing like that um, or obviously you gave the example of the invasion of Crimea it, and called it the "without rule of law" and how things can get extremely serious in that short of time. So, in this podcast, uh, you know, as I said, m- people c- can go check it out. In this podcast, we're going to talk about what preparedness is, what you're actually preparing for, and how general preparedness skills can help you in the "without rule of laws" uh, situations. Those are from Chapter Two of your book, um, your first book. One thing you talk about, Joe, which may, uh, people may not be thinking is the second and third order of effects. So for instance, say there's a hurricane or even an EMP and the power goes out, what else happens? One of those is water could also go out, which is what? A second a second order of effect. You know, In a place, you live in Michigan, in a place like Florida, obviously, if something like that happens, the first thing we're going to be thinking about is air conditioning, but not necessarily about water. So I want you to talk about the second and third order effects and why those may be even more disastrous than the initial event
1: absolutely so so many people want to say well i'm preparing for this and i'm preparing for that and, and like you mentioned it doesn't really matter how you get there the second and third order effects are eventually all going to end up being the same and those are what you need to prepare for in availability of water in availability of food and in availability of fuel those are all huh. second order effects And the third order effect is you need to be dealing with your security situation. Um, So let's talk a little bit about these. Um, No matter what the situation is, uh, if there's any sort of a major event that's going to cause a without rule of law situation, police, fire services are overtaxed, um, nine times out of ten, the power is also going to be out, even if it's temporary. That power being out means you can't go to the gas station and get Uh gas It means you can't swipe your debit card at the store. Uh, All these different things. And it also means that the food you have at home is probably going to be going bad very, very soon. So rather than worrying about what event you're going to prepare for, um, you know, like you ask ask 10 different preppers what they're preparing for, they're all going to give you a different answer. Rather than worry about preparing for, say, hurricanes or I'm preparing for a giant earthquake or I'm preparing (laughs) for a Chinese invasion, whatever your issue might be. Instead, just say, I'm preparing for the inavailability of food, inavailability of water, uh, and, a, and a reduced security situation. If you do that instead, you're going to be so much farther ahead of the game. So let's just say I only prepared for uh, the, the, the one everyone wants to talk about right now the Chinese invasion situation, right? So I go and I buy all this ammunition, I buy all these cool, cool guy gadgets and tactical. <sighs> But what really happens is the power goes out, and I don't have any food, right. honey, water. I'm in a bad spot because I did not actually prepare for what was really going to happen. Vice versa, if you only prepare for something like a power outage and things like that, you're actually going to be fairly good except when people come knocking on your door because they know you have food. Uh-huh. But you neglected the security situation. So instead, if you just look at those second and third order effects, I'm not going to have power. I'm not going to have water. I'm not going to have food. Uh, readily available, and you work to reduce your 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 exposure there by getting some more food, getting the ability to produce food like fishing, trapping, hunting, uh, getting the ability to purify your own water, and getting some means of maintaining your own security, you're going to be way ahead of the game. And that's really what we need to focus on rather than specific scenario-related things.
0: Okay, right. And so you mentioned those those general preparedness. One of the things like you, you mentioned, and I don't think people really think about it. We're both on Twitter. We, we have a lot of mutuals and they talk about, you know, we always joke about like you Gucci your guns and stuff like that. They're always talking about that, but they're not talking about some of the stuff that you mentioned you know just just now one of the things that's very important and we're going to get into some of these in later chapters as well is like water and water purification so if the power goes down that you know i get my uh water from one of those machines like a glacier machine i just i just like how it tastes better you know and i don't i don't like having to get new bottles all the time does that machine work no Uh, right
1: no No, because you're going to have power to make that work. Here's the other thing about water that people don't think about as it relates to power. At my house, if the power goes out, my water's still going to work, but there's a problem with that. The backflow preventer systems that the city uses and uh, that that keeps the bad water from flowing back into the good water is not working anymore. So um, that's why you always end up with a boil water advisory afterward. It's better if you have a power outage in your area to immediately go to boiling or purifying your water uh, at some point. People don't think about that small event right there. Um, they say, well, my water still works. Yeah, right. but it not be safe.
0: Right. And if you don't have power, how are you going to boil your water? Well, right? I have – Unless, unless you've bit- prepared by what? you got to have one of those uh, – what are those little things called again?
1: what are those little what the, I like. the
0: camping things that you use for the, uh, you light them. I'm having like a little brain freeze here. The Sterno.
1: Yeah. A little Sterno or any yeah. kind of stove, right? Yeah. Um, you want to make sure you do it outso- outside. You can even use your, your propane grill. Right. Um, anything. Um, I have a little propane camping stove, a little backpacking stove. Um, we have the, the, the propane grill. Our, um, Actually, our stove is gas, so I could light oh, that okay. with gas. Um, right. But you have to really think about these things, right? Uh, that's a that's a great point. Most people haven't considered how they would do that. Like, right. I'm under water advisory, but I don't have electricity, and my my stovetop is electric. What do I do? Have an alternative alternative method. Um, and, and I'll be honest: human beings have been boiling water over open fires for thousands of years. We yeah. can just don't have to anymore. So we've forgotten how.
0: Yeah. Well, that was one of the things we discussed last week about the whole like Boy Scouts, Girl Scouts and the stuff, the basic survival skills that like everyone knew growing up. They, they're they not teaching that now. And not I mean, they're, of course, they would never teach it in school, but they have abolished scouts because of the situation with that. Um, and they're just not teaching that basics. Obviously, your kids would know, you know, my kids would know. I don't have kids, but if I had kids, they would know. So people who are really sort of maybe, you know, hunters, kids would probably know mill a lot of military kids would probably know this kind of stuff, this basic stuff. But the general public and that's, you know, one of the things that we're going to be talking about uh, in a little bit as well is that. They're going to want to come to you, the people that don't know this stuff. As soon as they know that, you know, you know, they're going to want to come to you because they know that you have prepared where they haven't prepared. And another thing we talked about last week, which is really important, is that people who are heavily dependent on the government. Right. So they're they're dependent on their government checks. They're dependent on their government, whatever, welfare, food stamps and everything like that. You know, when it really hits the fan and if they actually can't get that, they're going to be the ones that are the craziest of all because they have zero preparation skills.
1: And, you know, we we saw that situation unfold, uh, unfortunately, after Hurricane Katrina. Yeah. Uh, And recently there was another hurricane that hit. I can't remember the name, but we saw the same thing. There were people on, on, on TV talking to news reporters saying, where's the government? My check hasn't showed up yet. My food hasn't showed up yet. You know yeah. what your safety and your, your, um, ability to survive is on you. It's, it's not on anybody else. Um, I talk about this a lot and, it, and it's here in chapter one of my book, but preparedness is all about self-reliance and self-sufficiency. The minute that I stop being self-sufficient and self-reliant and I depend on somebody else to provide me with food, they can bend me to their will, mm-hmm. denying me that food. Um, one, one of the cautions I give people is a lot of people throw back at me things that are on ready.gov. Oh, look, the government does want you to be prepared. That's not true. If you look at ready.gov, they want you to be prepared for two weeks. And why is that? Because it takes them two weeks to get spun up and get federal aid to your area. Right. Now, that might seem innocuous and, 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 and cool, but they never mention anything more long-term than two weeks because they actually would prefer that in, in, the, in a situation like that, you do be a little bit dependent on them that way, they can get you to comply. Um, during the Hurricane Katrina situation, uh, General Honore was in charge of the military response, and he went around confiscating guns in Yeah. Right. So uh, you have to be you have to be able to be sufficient on your own. Uh, you should never rely on someone else because at that point, they can just bend you to to their will.
0: Yeah, and look what he's doing now. Is there any more inappropriate name than Honore for a guy like that, honestly? Right on. on. It's shocking. Yeah, he's involved with the January 6th. uh, He's the pit bull for for Nancy Pelosi on that. Anyways, I don't want to get too much into politics. So you mentioned the importance of discussing preparedness from a no-tech standpoint. I remember when I read that, I was just like, I think – you know, it kind of stunned me because again, like we're so dependent on technology and even something like, how are you going to get, I mean, obviously, you know, Twitter's gone, right? Facebook is gone. The social media, the the talking with your friends is gone, but like even something like having a radio, right? But it's not, so it's, we're so dependent on technology, but it's not like that would also affect issues like navigation, which I want you to get into, into as well. And one of the things regarding the sort of technology, the grid, the powers, the global power um, network, you know, Creepy Claus Schwab, I'm sure you've heard about this, uh, has been talking about this, which makes me wonder if that's something, if that's not something that they're planning for the great, you know, the next part of the Great Reset. But, I, you know, it's to, is to shut down our connectivity. So I want you to talk about that the the no tech aspect and then how it will affect navigation because I always want I also want you to we're going to get into talking about general awareness and our escape routes and everything like that which goes into in part in the navigation. So talk about why those are important.
1: Right on. Um so the United States military is preparing an entire new program Uh, And it's about the ability to operate in a GPS-denied environment. So you might think, oh, that just sounds like something they should logically do. But if the United States military is worried that China is going to eliminate their ability to use the GPS system, shouldn't you? Yeah. And so what happens is Americans have become so over-reliant on technology. Now when you say something about, hey, how do you get to this location? Everyone pulls out their phone. And they take a look at their GPS signal on their phone. And they say, well, this is what I'm going to use to navigate. Okay, well, what if there's no phone network? Uh Well, my phone still works as a GPS. No, it doesn't. It'll only work as a GPS if you've already pre-downloaded a map. Otherwise, the map downloads as you get into new areas, right, via the cell network. So if you haven't downloaded your local area or a larger area, your GPS is not going to work on your phone. So I don't I don't encourage people to rely on that GPS or even a handheld GPS. I I, I suggest that you actually get out, learn how to use a map and a compass. Mm. <laughs> that the Earth is always going to be magnetized. The North Pole is always going to be relatively where it is right now. Might vary by a couple degrees seasonally, but it'll not it will not turn you wrong. And it's it's been uh, something we've relied on for thousands of years. So you should learn that skill. It's it's not a hard skill. It seems daunting at first uh but everyone should have it um
0: and you really- can get maps where where can you get maps locally like i mean if people i mean people can go buy them cheap but can't you get them at local like um your county or something
1: yeah so a great place to get local maps is from your county clerk they generally have local uh you can get it from your city clerk too they will generally have a local map uh that's more detailed than the state maps that you get from your state department of transportation um And you know what? They give them out for free. And I'm not advocating anything, but I've contacted county clerks states away and said, hey, I need this map. And they always send it to me, always free of charge. So um, you need to get those maps because that map is actually a lot more detailed than a road map. When you get a map from the county clerk, you're going to get drain systems. You're going to get railroad systems. You're going to get systems. And all of these are things that you can use to navigate. You really do seriously need paper maps. And really, the best place to go and buy a paper map, if you're not getting it from your county clerk, is a truck stop. They have maps of every possible location in your area that you want.
0: Well, that would make sense, right? Yeah. All right. Okay, good. So um, wh- so when you're talking about general awareness, you talk not only about your home, like your home and direct neighborhood but also escape routes alternate routes uh, and to know where your local you know first responder service locations are as I mentioned you we, we've joked about this I'm kind of screwed <laughs> because I live at the end of a gated, community that has like a cul-de-sac and i'm at the tail end where there's only sort of brush behind my house so i consider you know i made a joke like i'm the martyr at least we'll get the information out i may not survive but uh at least we'll get the information out but i want you to talk about that because like what do people need to do to assess their immediate environment and i mean literally you talk in the book about your like your actual home itself right because what are the ingress and egress? Like, I, you know, I was joking. Like I said, I don't really have I have one e- ingress and egress. It's terrible. I would be in big trouble, probably because I have a lot of crazy people that live around here. So their immediate environment and then the larger environment, because I found it really interesting in your book that you some of the things seemed that you mentioned seemed like counterintuitive and i was like okay well that really makes sense like i would have thought well you want to go to the local hospital but you said no you don't want to go there because everybody's going to be going there so talk about some of that stuff the general awareness your home direct neighborhood and you talked about the maps you know already about how they can get but not just your area but the surrounding areas you say are important to know and your and your first responder uh, service locations
1: Okay. Well, you're going to want to do this for every area that you frequent, whether it's your home, your office, uh, or anywhere else that you go regularly. So, you're going to do what's called an area study. And the first thing is um, look at your neighborhood. And I'm going to tell you, you might not be as bad off as you think. If there's only <laughs> one way in, there's only one way you got to watch. Uh, mm. And and you can always find an emergency way out through the brush if you needed to. Um, but look at your, your neighborhood, but not from your own perspective. Look at it from the perspective of somebody who wanted to sneak into the neighborhood. How could they do it? Then what you need to do is pick the three most likely ways that that's going to happen and develop a plan to address that. So let's just take take your house as an example. The first way is right on through the, the end of the cul-de-sac. Well, now you just pay attention in that direction. But in without rule of law situation, you need to get with your neighbors and come up with a plan to actually block that road. So the only people you want to come down that road are coming down that road. Mm -hmm. Uh, And let's just say you've got that wooded area and you find that there's a trail there. So what you want to do is come up with some way of blocking that trail or watching that trail so you know if anyone's there. So basically find out ways that people could get into your neighborhood or up to your house and develop a plan to deal with those, um, whatever that plan might be. Same thing with your work. You need to figure out the easiest ways for you to get out of work, one, in a vehicle, and two, on foot. Because there could be situations where getting in a vehicle is just not a good idea. There's a huge protest or there's been significant damage to the road network. There's so much traffic, whatever. You may have to walk home. So get out and find the best routes for that. Um, Anywhere that you go regularly, you need to have uh, at least three vehicle routes and at least three foot routes out of. Um, Because you really don't know the kind of situation that's going to happen. One of the things that I advocate doing, and and I mention this on my blog all the time, is getting out and just walking around in various areas that you go. So, for example, there's a retail shopping center just down the road that we go to all of the time. So when I was out doing my training hike for the day, I said, why don't I go there and I'm just going to walk along the back alleys of all these businesses and see what I can see. And what I found were foot trails that led out of the area. I found wild grapes growing. I found <laughs> things like rabbits and deer and all these different things that you don't think of, right, in an urban environment. Right. But say I went was at that shopping center when something really bad happened and I couldn't get back to my car. Because I've walked it and checked it out, I now know a couple of foot, foot routes that would get me out of that area, out of the immediate area in the event of uh, a serious situation. Not a bad idea to do, right? Get out, right. look around, see what there is. Um, you have to have a plan. Uh, everyone has, has, a, has a big plan for their for their home, but you have to have that plan in case you're not home when it happens, right?
0: Right. Big
1: plan, A plan to get you from work to home, which is, you know, let's be honest, we spend most of our waking hours at work, uh, or a plan to get home from locations that you frequent. Like I said, if you're out shopping or if you're out at the movie theater or whatever, uh, be looking at that. So um, make sure that you're developing those. And we use an acronym uh, in, in, in executive protection and military planning called PACE.
0: Right. That, I was just going to bring that up. Go ahead. Uh,
1: so that means primary, alternate, contingency and emergency. You should have four of everything for everything you do. So we're talking about routes now. I should have four routes. Primary, that's my normal route. That's the fastest way to get wherever I'm going. The alternate route is going to use smaller roads and less less traveled areas to try and get somewhere. Contingency, things are really bad. I'm going to have to go through some rough spots maybe, go down some two-lane roads, whatever I got to do to get home. And emergency is I might even be driving through backyards. So you have to develop these four routes for everywhere. And again, don't limit yourself to roadways. Think about having to do things on foot. Uh, got to have all of these. Almost every urban area has a park system or a trail system. Learn those and learn what's along them. Learn areas where you can seek refuge along them. Learn areas where you could find food. Um, wild grapes grow in most of North America. Uh, blackberries, strawberries learning these simple things, but you also need to learn the places to avoid. And, and you hit on it earlier. In a crisis, you might think that a hospital is a great place to go. It's actually the worst place to go because people will be gathering there, looking for loved ones, the people who are going to be there going to be agitated, seeking treatment. Um, if the power's been out for a few days, there might be some some drug addicts there seeking drugs. Uh-huh. Just, they just don't want to go, right? Um, so, so learn where those areas are. Um, think about In a crisis, where will people gather? Hospitals, fire stations, shopping centers, because they're going to be looting the stores for food. Um, And you want to plan your routes to avoid these different areas. Okay. Those are all things you got to consider.
0: All right. So um, you have a doggo in the background?
1: Yeah. My dog is (laughs) running around with her bone because she insists on doing it (laughs) when I'm doing something else
0: of course of course that's okay we're glad to have her um all right so you know before we wrap up, so I want to, you know, I think we've covered most of the stuff. Is there anything from the first two chapters that we didn't cover or anything else that you think the audience needs to know? Because we're going to be heading into the next, we're going to try to do it as two chapters because they're, you know, they're, they're like, uh, you know, chapter one and two are pretty much very similar. Chapter three and four, we're going to be talking about first aid. Is there anything that, You know, else that we need to cover from the first two chapters that you think we, uh, you know, that we need to cover.
1: Yeah, I have three quick points that I want to get to that in that first chapter. Number one is is remaining aware of what your goal is, right? So many people, uh, like we talked about on Twitter, all of our mutuals, they want to talk about their guns and what they're going to do and fight and all of that. Your goal is not to be infantry. Your goal is survival. So stop with all of that nonsense. And remember that not every fight is yours and that your ultimate goal in any situation is to survive. So uh, there's that, right? Put, put, put all of these thoughts of, of being like Eli going around uh, in, in the wasteland and, and righting wrongs or, or Mad Max, you know, traveling to the villages and rescuing maidens. That's not what you're going to be doing. You're going to be just surviving and getting along. So that's the first thing. The second thing is I want to touch on charity. Um, in, in, in and without rule of law situation, you want to be as helpful as you can to people, but you have to understand that once the word gets out that mm-hmm. you have extra food to share, uh-huh. you will get visitors, and they will not be friendly. So yeah. um, you have to be very, very careful. And so, as I always do, I, I let the ultimate tactical handbook uh, guide me in that. And in in Thessalonians, Paul said, "He who does not work does not eat." Uh, if you want to let people have food, give them a job to do where they earn that food. Great Other- point. Uh, I'm sorry?
0: No, that's a great point.
1: Yeah. Otherwise, people will just say, hey, this guy's just handing out food. And you're going to yeah. get a long line of people. And when you start saying no, they're going to start trying to take it from you. So yeah. so, so, that's an important point. We do want to be charitable, but we also have to be very, very careful of what's going on. And the last thing is is an awareness skill called the tactical pause. And I tell this story, and I told it last night on the Wrong Thing podcast, and you could literally hear one of the hosts go, oh, my God, I never thought of that. Mm -hmm. Um, The tactical pause is basically whenever I enter a business, I stop, I look at where everyone is and what they're up to, and I look for any emergency exits around me. Um, Because when something happens inside that business, the safest exit might not be the door we went in. But human nature draws us back out the way we came in. Uh, As an example of this, I always use this one, the Aurora, Colorado movie theater shooting, where Mm -hmm. 77 Mm -hmm. people were shot. They were shot because once the shooting started, they all turned and ran back out the entrance they came into the movie theater. Now, if you've ever been to a movie theater, you know that there are eight or nine emergency exits all the way around the outside. And most of these people walked past two or three emergency exits to go right out where the shooter was standing because they didn't think to look. Emergency exits. Right. Um, this literally can save your life. It it only adds a second to your trip. You just stop, take a quick look around, look for the exit signs, look for where the doors are, uh, and be able to get out quickly.
0: You know, so much, so much of a lot of this stuff is obviously you're military, you're a marine, so this is kind of embedded in your training for you know for that, but like the. The general situational awareness, like I, for some reason or another, I kind of have that I tend to sit with, I tend to prefer to sit with my back against a wall and be watching and have, and have a view of whatever, you know, whatever's going on in the place, whether it's a restaurant, whether it's a room or anything like that. But that situational awareness, and you talk about the pause, it's such a great point because In the moment, and this is why we're doing this. This is why all this preparedness stuff is so important. When you are in the thick of it, in the mix, that's not the time to make your plan. The plan is to have thought about it beforehand. What would I do if, right? And 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 I know uh, I think they do it here too. They do a lot of these active shooter training for free uh, in local mun- municipalities and stuff for the just the general citizenry to go and do that. And that is something you know, whatever the situation is, just to think, what would you do if? And sometimes, you know, like if I go into a room that's very crowded, I tend to hang around with a lot of people that are carrying or, you know, have something. So that's one thing. But I sometimes think to myself, I'll be sitting in a room that's very packed tight. And I think, what would happen if a crazy person came in there? What would I do? What would, if I'm not carrying, what would there be to throw? Where, what would I, you know, where would I move? Would I go under a table? This... It's just something that's part of my innate thinking about always kind of watching what's going on. Maybe I have a paranoid bent. I don't know. But just general preparedness would really help the average person in this stuff that, you know, what we're talking about is because you can't do it when, you're, when your adrenaline is up in your nostrils and you're so hyped out that you don't know what is going on. That's not the time to prepare.
1: Right. And you know, that's really the whole idea behind creating the baseline training manual and field craft was so many people in the preparedness field assume that these very basic skills everyone has. Yes. And that's not true. So, so in this first book, we just give you the baseline, right? The the immediate things that you need in order to survive the gear to gather and be ready. And in fieldcraft, it's a lot of the basic skills that that military members learn in basic training because not everyone who's into preparedness is. Uh, And in fact, in my second book, there's also things from other militaries. So even if you've been through, say, Army basic training, you didn't learn how the Australian um, Special Air Service does jungle patrols. And there's some unique skill sets that can help anyone in preparedness from that group. And I I just kind of thought it was time to bring everything together for people to learn rather than just assuming that they would know.
0: Well, that's a great point. And and that goes back to what we talked about before about the issue of like the scouts. These are a lot of the navigation skills, right? You'd have been learning in scouts or even, I mean, I remember I took a, I think it was a biology class in college. It was either biology or earth science where you had to go around. Uh, It was in North Carolina, and you had to go around and look at the trees. So you had to look at the trees, what the trees, what kind of trees they were, um, what was on the trees, whether it was berries, whether it was conifers and everything like that. So these are some things that you would be thinking about because you had taken a class or you had done scouts that it's really just missing. So many of these basic skills are really missing from modern society. So, again, that's why we're doing this and because you and I are of the same you know philosophy we just kind of read the tea leaves and see what's going on and you know whoever a lot of the people we know probably have all these skills but a lot of people don't too even people who might you know they talk about the you know they're always talking about guns and stuff they might not have it and so that's why I really wanted to do it because you never know you never ever know and things you know one of the things that was mentioned i watched war room pandemic and um this uh, steve cortez talks about it a lot of times chaos happens and it's it's not it's something people might not be thinking about when there's extreme inflation chaos often happens and stuff like that add on top of that these vaccine mandates supply chain um supply chain interruptions, shortages and whatever's going to happen with the electrical grid and you have a cauldron for complete and utter chaos. so it's that's why I wanted to really you know make sure that we got this and we'll be talking about your uh, field craft book too after we wrap up the first one we'll be into that and give them all the skills about that. So next week like I mentioned we'll be talking about first aid, what you should know and what you should have as far as basic skills um, and kits too uh we might have to talk to dent mcgee on that too but anyways um you can go to joe's website tactical-wisdom.com for his blog and to get his books um also to my website brooktalksamerica.com for my articles and previous podcasts and follow us on twitter where we have Both of us have excellent Twitter game, and if we do say so. (laughs) So I want to thank you for coming on, Joe, and we will see you next week. And make sure, please, to share this with your friends so we can all share this information, get on the same page, and get prepared. Thank you so much, and we'll see you next time. Thank you. Thank you.